Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. Welcome to the greatest day of your life. Welcome to church. Uh, hey, it's good to be preaching again. I had a couple weeks off. And I'm, I'm ready. Are you ready? I mean, I'll tell you what, I'm ready. I want to start off doing something a little bit unique because something uh, that oftentimes goes unnoticed in the things that we're a part of are the things that are most important. Have you have you experienced that? Like the, when you get a, if for how many college students in the house? Any college students here? Right. You get an A on an exam. What do you show off the A or your calendar of all the time you spent in the library? Right, you show off the A, right? It's usually like the end result thing that gets all the praise, but it's the things that built up to it that kind of made a way for that to happen, right? So I, I want to do something this morning that's a little bit different, but it really is kind of a similar thing. It's a it's a look at the behind the scenes of what really matters. It's kind of peeling away the curtains and saying, like, look, behind all the lights and the sound and the banners and and the parking lot and the coffee and all of that is people making the dream work. And every once in a while, we like to kind of push time out on all of the craziness and time out on just kind of grinding through another day and acknowledging people who are going above and beyond anything that we could even dream and giving of their time and resources to make this church happen. And this morning, I want to shine a spotlight on somebody who runs lights. All right. And that's Sophia. She's in the back. Everybody wave at her. She hates this. She's hating every minute of this. That's why I'm going to do, do it really long and like, I, you know, you're amazing. I mean, she's amazing not just because of who she is, her talent, her giftings, and saying, you know what, I'm going to, this is my contribution. This is what I feel gifted and called to do, so I'm going to give that to the church. All of that is super cool. But you know what, there's, there's, there's moments that happen when you get windows into the heart of somebody, and you're like, wow. Have you ever experienced that? You like get a window into somebody's heart and like kind of what holds them together and it's just kind of like a blow away. Well, I found out from the grapevine that she has had trouble finding a ride to come and serve. She's been looking for a ride to get here, couldn't find one. And so instead of calling Moses and saying, hey, Moses, oh, by the way, did he not do an incredible job? Our worship leader, phenomenal job. Uh, go Korea. favorite and fair, but instead of calling Moses and, and saying, hey, Moses, I'm not able to find a ride, I, I'm not going to be able to make it uh, to, to be able to serve, she got an Uber. I, I was convicted by that. I don't know about you. I probably would have called and just like, dude, can't find a ride, better luck next time, you know, but she's like, no, I'm, I'm committed to being a pillar, something that can be rallied around and strength can be given to those around me because I'm going to stand up even when it's difficult on me. And she, she said, look, I can't find a ride, but you know what? I'm going to get an Uber. And so she got an Uber for, from St. Ed's University all the way to the one and only, the hub of Austin, Texas, Dobie Middle School. All right? And she does it with joy and class and thanksgiving. So can we just honor her? Yeah. Now that's what I'm talking about. 
an absolute legend. We love you. Seriously, you're amazing. All right, okay, let's do some work now. It's time to go to work. You guys excited about this? Okay, week five of our Clockwork series. Have you enjoyed this series? We've been talking about the impossible questions surrounding the timing of God. Right? I mean, have you ever had a scenario in your life where you're like, God, for real, what now? Or like, God, why now? Or like, God, why not now? Right? I mean, this, there's a lot of questions that sometimes surround the timing of God. And so what we've been doing over the past five weeks is looking at people in the Bible that wrestled with a similar tension in their circumstances that led to some great revelation about who God is in the middle of their process of seeing God do all that he said that he was going to do. And I want to start off this morning with the question, and that question is very simple. Have you ever had a dream? Not like a Martin Luther King level dream, although that was a real dream. Have you ever had like a new idea, a thought, something you're like, man, if I could just get better at this, or maybe it's an idea or a a dream of what your business can become. All my entrepreneurs in the house said, what, right? And and, and you have like a dream, right? A dream of what could be. You're like, man, what what I'm experiencing now can't be all of it. So there there has to be more. And have you had those moments, right? Have you allowed yourself to kind of go up to 30,000 feet, if you will, and look around and say, wow, the landscape up here of possibility is amazing. This is awesome. And, And how many of you that have had those dreams and had those new ideas and had those new thoughts also had another question on the back end of that, and that was the question of how? Have you asked that question? You have a big idea, big dream, big new thing, your initiative that you're going to push forward, and then that how question, like how am I going to do this, or how are things going to change, or how can we afford this, right? How in the world are we going to do this, the how question? I didn't really ask the how question that much as a kid, if I'm honest with you. Growing up, still don't ask it as much as I probably should, and it results in pain. Have you encountered this? You do something? Any act go and crash then think people in the house right just that's okay so that's me like I kind of just charge and then experience pain and then go oh should have maybe asked how am I going to do this right so let me give you a little window into my life on how I didn't ask how should have asked how and it resulted in pain so I am a moron and so I had a thought as morons do I'm going to get an extension ladder I'm going to put that extension ladder up on the side of a house, a two-story house. I'm going to then extend that ladder as high as it will go. And I'm going to climb not to the roof line. I'm going to climb to the top of the ladder that's probably 10 to 15 feet above the roof line. Okay? Because that's a smart thing to do. I'm a smart individual. Full of dream, full of hope, full of life. Didn't ask how. Didn't say how is this going to work. So I started climbing up the ladder. If I would have asked the how question, I would have very quickly realized that the only difference between the roof line and this ladder in a teeter-totter is nothing. There's no difference whatsoever. And so I got to the very top of this ladder and had about five seconds of glory and fame, right? All my friends like, oh, look at that dude, yeah! You know, and I'm like, what's up now, world? You know, I'm like, I can conquer the world. I can do anything. I climbed to the top of a ladder. This is amazing. And I had a friend who got on the bottom of the ladder. 
And so when he started climbing up the ladder, then my ladder and roof line turned full on into a teeter-totter, and the ladder teetered, and I tottered. And that ladder started sliding down super fast because my friend was fat. And my foot got crushed on the roof, and one of the rungs of the ladder just slid and just crushed it, annihilated it. It was so crushed they didn't even cast it because they're like, dude, this thing is gone. Best part of the whole story is, of course, I didn't tell my parents the truth. Okay, I couldn't drive at the time. They had to come pick me up to take me to the hospital. They found out what really happened as the doctor is asking me questions. So I'm getting my foot examined, and my dad is plotting how he's going to kill me. It was a beautiful. Should have asked how, right? Should have said, how is this going to happen? If I would have asked the how question, it would have saved me a, a lot of pain. But when we start talking about dreams, we start talking about hopes or even things that we feel like God has called us to carry the how question isn't as clear, is it? The how question gets a lot more complicated when you're talking about something that is bigger than just rooftops and extension ladders and teeter-totters, right? I mean, when you're talking about a dream, something you're hoping for, sometimes that how question can be more of a tension than it can have an answer. It's more of a how tension. Like we live in this world of not fully being able to understand how things are going to happen, yet with this admonition to believe for more than we can ask, hope, or imagine. It's a tension. The, the, the how question becomes a tension when we're talking about dreams and new ideas and things that God is calling us to. But here's the question for us this morning. How can we live in the tension of what we don't understand and not let it limit our understanding? How can we live in the tension of what we don't understand and not let it limit our understanding? The character study that we're going to be diving into this morning is somebody that we've talked about often here at Antioch. And we find ourselves talking about him, not just because of who he is, not just because of what he did, not just because of the calling on his life. We find ourselves here because I think we often can relate to the life of Joseph. And that's this, Joseph, for most of his life, had dreams that were bigger than the space he was living in. Have you ever felt like you had a dream or an idea that was bigger than the runway or your circumstances or your resources? This is why I think we gravitate to the life of Joseph, because that was his reality. Joseph understood the tension of how. Now, for you Bible readers in the house, you might be very familiar with this story, but let us let me just take a couple of minutes and kind of catch us up to speed as we're going to dive into the life of Joseph. You see, Joseph was favored among his brothers, it says. His dad had a soft spot for him, and his dad dressed him in elaborate clothes, right? He had like silk, hand-stitched, Gucci jackets, right? He had Yeezys, hashtag favors and fair Moses. Right, he, 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 he was dressed perfect, looked beautiful, and he was hated by his brothers for it. They were like, man, I can't stand this guy. He, we actually get a window into and how his brothers and, and him had their relationship functions. Like the, the introduction 
of Joseph to the world through the Bible in Genesis is him telling his dad that his brothers were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. That was this kind of guy, okay? He was a snitch. He was favored. He wore fancy clothes that he didn't earn. They were just given to him, and his brothers were like, I can't stand this guy. But at the same time, God gave him a window into who he was called to be. He had two dreams. Genesis 37, he has two dreams. The first dream, let me just read it to you because it's, it's going to help us understand a lot of the, the breadth of, of what we're dealing with here. He looks at his brothers and tells them this dreams in Genesis 37, verse 7. It says that we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while all your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Then dream two starts in verse nine. It says he told his brothers, listen, I had another dream. And in this dream, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Now, after he had shared this with his brothers who were already annoyed with him, already had had enough with him, they said, that's it. We're going to kill you, bro. We've had enough. Come, come meet us out in the field. We're going to talk, right? And so he goes out, and they're like, okay, maybe we shouldn't kill him. Let's just throw him in a well, okay? Let's just hide him for good. Let's just play the best game of hide-and-go-seek ever, throw him in the well. Hopefully he'll break his leg or something and die in there, but we won't really have much to do with it. They throw him in a well, and then this guy goes by, and they're like, hey, let's make some money on this guy. So they sold him into slavery. Then they took his Gucci jacket, splattered blood on it, went back to Dad and said, Dad, a wild animal got him. I wonder if he's in the well, if he's wrestling with the how tension. <laughs> how are the dreams that I just experienced, how am I going to experience them from this place? How is the things that, God, I feel like you're putting in front of me, the things that feel bigger than me, how can they emerge from this place? How, how can I experience that from here, I mean, that's the how tension, right? I mean, how is this going to happen? And, and that how tension can sometimes begin to lie to us and begin to tempt us to believe that God is not in control. This is the tension in the how tension, is that we begin to think in the how tension, God, are you really in control? God, are you really controlling my life? Am I subjected to the intentions of man? Can the dream of your, of, that you have for my life be derailed by the intentions of those around me? But by the intentions of the devil? Like how? How am I going to be all that I feel like you're calling me to be from right here? Now there's actually a theological term for this tension. It's called divine providence. Divine providence. Now, divine providence means this. It's that God works his own end regardless of the intentions of man or the intentions of the devil. God works all things for his good. Can I read that one more time? Divine providence means that God works for his own end, regardless of the intentions of man or the intentions of the devil. God worked them all for his greater 
good, right? This is birthed in, in part from Romans 8, 28, which says this, and I know the for we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purposes. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but your soul, if it's heavy in the how tension, should begin to breathe a little bit right now. Because there is a hope that the divine providence of God, that God is working all things for his end as is at work in your life. And what this reveals to us is that there's a purpose for our pain. There's a purpose for our pain. And I don't know if you've noticed, but we, we seem to have be, be in a justice revolution as a society. It's no longer individuals rising up and saying enough is enough, right? It's, it's whole societies coming together and declaring things must change. We're louder than we've ever been. The the calls for freedom, the calls for hope, are are louder than they have ever been. Yet we are weaker than we've ever been. I mean, not not just as the church, as as people. We, We are now offended by people who have different thoughts than us. Not offended because they said mean things about you. They just have a different idea than you. And we're offended. Right? We're louder than we've ever been, softer than we've ever been. Dreams are like a dime a dozen now. I mean, just go walk around one of the campuses in our city. Just go walk around downtown. Ask people what their dream for the city of Austin is, and they can articulate it for you. Ask them what they're they're passionate about, and they can articulate change for you beautifully. Yet our society seems to be getting worse. We're more polarized than we've ever been. We're more divided than we've ever been. We're more offended than we've ever been. We're we're, we're more separated than we've ever been. There's a lot of stats. It's hard when you start looking at stats of slavery, but there's this onslaught of attack against slavery, and most stats that I was able to found this week have found that slavery is going up, not down. How? We're we're louder than we've ever been. We have dreams, or we're like... Man, this is, this is not what it should be. The things should be different. We're loud, but it seems like we're soft. It's like, well, we, we don't need dreams. We need strength. We need strength. We need a strength that is going to hold us for the fight of our dreams. Because the dreams in you are from God, and, and if they glorify his name, I don't know all the dreams that are represented in this room, but if they're for his good and the good of his people, I think he's for them. He wants them to happen in you and through you. Oftentimes, it's not the dream that we need, it's the strength for the grind that we need. We don't grind anymore. We don't fight anymore. We hit opposition, we give up. We ask for a new strategy. We run against people talking bad about us. We're like, well, I'm not, never going to do that again. We, we run up against opposition. We're like, oh, this must not have been God because we have defined success and fa- failure and favor and, and the smile of God is like easy. They're like, just the things of God are just going to like happen. Just, just because I'm, if I have this dream of societal transformation that it's just going to 
have, no, it's going to take a fight. It's going to be a fight, and the dream is not going to hold us in the fight. Now, here's the thing. This is why I think we're louder than ever and softer than ever, that we have more dreams than ever, and we have less action than ever. It's because as a culture, even within the church, we have grabbed hold of and wrestled to the ground the fact that God is love. We've grabbed hold of and wrestled to the ground that God is merciful. We've grabbed hold of and wrestled to the ground that God is kind. But we have not grabbed with the same clarity and passion that God is sovereign. That he is divinely in control of what's happening here. Now, I'm not talking about this theological question that no one's been able to answer for thousands of years about the free will of man and the sovereignty of God. That's not what I'm addressing right now. What I'm addressing is, is that God will work all things for his end. God will work all things for his end. And what that means for our pain is that it was never intended to be wasted. The things that we're running into right now that are slaughtering our soul was never intended to just see if you can endure it. It's to build in you strength. It's to build in you courage. It's to build in you wisdom so that the dreams that are inside of you can live because we're not going to be pushed around. Romans 5.1 articulates this beautifully for us. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. We glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who, we have, who has been given to us. Suffering produces perseverance. Hold on. Are you telling me that the very thing that I will go to great lengths to avoid in my life is the very thing that is going to give me what I need to do what I'm called to do in this life? Suffering produces perseverance. The struggle, the pain puts in you Character, character to make decisions when no one's watching, to stand for glory when you're alone. That character that's going to hold you through the temptations that are going to be coming at you in the future, that character is developed in the persevering fight of your pain. And, and you know what? I love it. It says like suffering produces perseverance. Perdu per perseverance produces character and character hope. And I always thought it was funny that it ended with hope. Like, it produces hope. It's like, I get it, like, yeah, the fight, and yeah, okay. but then hope. You know why? It's because it's the hope in the divine providence of God. Because when you go through a fight, then you realize, I didn't understand it, but I'm not going to let what I don't understand keep me from understanding that God is going to work all things for the good of those who love him story of Joseph is amazing because check this out, like he's thrown into slavery, the favor of God is on him, so he's a slave and he finds himself running the household of the man who owns him. 
And you get a window, right? You get like a window into like, man, this is it. This is the dream that, that I had. This, this is like coming to pass. And then all of a sudden, this guy's wife wants to sleep with him. He does the right thing. And then she frames him. And he finds himself from running a household, a prominent household, to prison. And you're like, what? How? I thought I was starting to see the breakthrough. I thought I was beginning to get a glimpse of the vision, a glimpse of the dream. And now I'm back worse than before. I'm not a slave. I'm a prisoner. He didn't understand, but he didn't let his understanding keep him from understanding. He leaned in and says that God was with him. And so just like when he was a slave, all of a sudden he becomes in control and is running the prison as a prisoner. No one can explain this. This is crazy. How does this happen? The divine providence of God. God will work all things out for the good of those who love him. It doesn't matter if somebody tries to wrong you, steal from you, take from you, divide you. If you put your hope in the God who doesn't change, he will hold you and he will put favor on you. And you will find yourself standing in positions of authority and leadership that you never thought if you don't buy the lie of the tension and the how question. And so again, he gets an opportunity to stand in front of the leader of Egypt and to give clarity to a dream that he had. And God gives him the understanding. And it makes a way for him to literally become the number two in charge. He's running everything. And here comes his brothers in need of help. They don't know who he is. And they're bowing down to him. The dream is becoming a reality. But you know what changed between when he got that dream when he was a young boy to when that fulfillment of the dream happened when he was a man? Joseph had changed. Joseph changed. His suffering produced in him perseverance that produced in him character that produced in him hope so he looked at his brothers who wronged him who were trying to literally destroy him left him for dead and he did not treat them as their sins deserved some are, come on somebody he did not give them what their actions required from them he looked upon them and demonstrated grace to them because he had been transformed he's no longer the man that he was because of the pain that he endured don't let what you don't understand keep you from understanding that God is working your life for good. That no matter what pain you're going through, no matter what struggle you find yourself in, God is working it for good. So you might be in the dip, most difficult dungeon you've ever been in. You might be wronged by everybody around you. And you are beginning to believe that the intentions of man have authority over the desires of God. And you need to hear me say, don't let what you don't understand keep you from understanding that God will work all things. Can you say all things? All things for the good of those who love him. The story is not over. Come on. The story is not over. It's time for the church to not be loud and weak. Let me say that again. It's time for the church to not be loud and weak. It's time for the church to be loud and strong. And our strength is going to come from us enduring the suffering.
have perseverance. And that perseverance has given us character. And we can have hope. Hope that does not disappoint us. Hope that will hold us. Hope that will give us strength. Because who we are is not going to be defined by what we're going through. Who we are is defined by who is divinely in control of our life. Can you stand to your feet? I don't know who needs this word this morning, but I know that I do. Every once in a while, you get a word that you're like, man, you know what? This is a shifting word. Every time you preach the Bible, every time you preach Jesus, things change. That's why I do what I do. I love it. I, I absolutely love it. But there's every once in a while, you, as, as a communicator, you get a word where you're like, man, this is going to change everything. I think that's a word. That's this word right here. It's time for us to not be loud and soft. And we're not a weak church. You're not weak. You're not going to be overcome. You're, you're, you're going to have what you need. You are going to be strong in the middle of complications. You're going to have clarity in the middle of your struggle. Because God will work all things for the good of those who love all things. All things. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm asking right now that you would impart this word into us. That we would not allow what we don't understand to keep us from understanding that you are going to work all things for the good of those who love you. Jesus, thank you for the window into the, glorious of the, the glory of the gospel through the life of Joseph that although he didn't treat his brothers as they deserve, that you don't treat us as we deserve. That we come to you completely guilty of the wrong that we have done to you, but you do not look at us and judge us for that, but you demonstrate grace to us and you receive us and you restore us and you heal us and you give us a new life and a new name and a new desire and new dreams and God right now I'm asking that you would impart into us God the strength that comes with glorying in our suffering that we would not run away from the very things that are going to be building into us what we need to do all that you've called us to do Lord you've called us to be a people that are not just loud but loud and strong, that have solutions, that also have character, that also have perseverance.